Professor Brian Brown's research shows that vulnerability fosters good emotional and mental health. It is a sign of courage. We become more resilient and brave when we embrace who we truly are and what we are feeling. The Vulnerable Scientist Podcast is a space for scientists to tell their honest and authentic stories. I am your host, Saranya Kerry, who happens to be a scientist, informal science communicator, and I help scientists create personal websites. If you want to support this show, go to www.patreon.com slash thevulnerablescientist. You can also follow this podcast on all social media platforms at TV Scientist Pod. That was really great because you are not the postdoc, right? No, I wasn't. I yeah. wasn't. I yeah, it was for me I felt it was it was an incredible achievement. I was mm. very proud. I was very excited to have worked with that team. Uh it was a very good outcome. Was it like a PhD? Three and a Sorry? half years. Was Three it like a PhD? Been, yeah, it could have been like a PhD, but it wasn't. I was I was just a research assistant. Did you think about I don't know, anyway. I, I did think mm. perhaps I should have pursued it, but then there was no opportunity to be a student of the project. I mean, also uh. because of funding restrictions and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Um, but I was perfectly okay with that because my then, I mean, the PIs of the project had uh, the same PIs who would uh, support, who are supporting my application to go to their institution to get uh. a PhD. So they, they, uh. they were supportive. Okay. Yeah. So it was, I mean, it was, it was great. It was good. Uh, and the ending was even more colorful you know yeah uh, and so now i transitioned into a, a phd full time mm-hmm. uh by this by by this point already you can figure out that uh, the 30 year old mark had already on. gotten and you you are now starting yes and i'm now starting which was fine better late than never yeah right <laughs> But but just let's just be honest. What what were you thinking at that moment? Like yes, finally, finally we have a PhD. After yes, especially I, those yeah. those opportunities that you get after a rigorous process. Mm. Yeah, they, they must feel good. But what what was going through your mind when it comes to the thirty mark? I I well when I looked at it. I, I was like, okay. Mm. There was that timeline that I placed for myself. Mm. But also I looked at it and thought, but I spent the last three and a half years of my life doing something incredible. Yeah. And the outcome was in, equally incredible. incredible. So no loss there. And uh, then I realized uh, there is your timeline and then there's the timeline of God. Mm. And yeah, you know, God determines when you when he answers your prayers and when you move on to the next level. And they actually, you actually move to the next level when you're ready. Um, you know how, you know that, um, I think it's a Chinese saying or a proverb or something, that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Mm-hmm. But when the student is really ready, the teacher will disappear. Huh? Have you ever heard that? No. I don't know, I was waiting for a greater person than a teacher or something. <laughs> Paula, you're waiting for the professor. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I was waiting for something greater than a teacher or something. Not no, disappear. No. Like, what, did, what does it mean? So, if you're going through life and you something is happening to you and you, you, you're looking for something, or you keep going through a certain situation. Yeah. 
And there's a lesson that you're supposed to learn mm. from that situation. But you don't learn the lesson. So mm. what happens in life, the lesson keeps repeating. Mm. So when you're ready for something, the lesson will come. But mm. then if you really don't learn the lesson, the lesson will repeat. Yeah. And the lesson repeats and repeats and repeats and repeats and repeats mm. until you've learned the lesson. When you've mm. truly understood what the lesson was, mm. then, you don't then that lesson stops. Then you yeah. move on to another lesson. Yeah. This is how I, I looked at it. I looked at it as that search for that PhD opportunity mm. and the, the fails, you know. Mm. The failures was I was supposed to have picked a lesson there. Mm. And for me, the lesson was the failure was not a failing on, for example, the rejection was not a failing on my end. Mm-hmm. It was just that I needed to be more patient mm. and persistent because this is what life will demand. This is what a career in research will demand. Yeah. Persistence mm. and patience. And to continue knocking on doors even when they get shut. Yeah. And I think I hadn't, it took that process for me to internalize that. Mm. And so when this opportunity came to me, I brought I brought a wholesome person. I didn't bring a person who had some two issues who were lacking in the bushes, like yeah. hey, are you are you are you up to the task? Are you mm. equal to the task? Mm. What are you going to do? You know, it, it kind of prepared me for for the journey that is that is a doctorate. Mm. Which is which is a journey, right? Yeah. Yeah, so now I transitioned and I started my PhD and I moved back to the city, to Nairobi, and mm. I was I registered for my PhD at the University of Pretoria mm. in South Africa. Mm. Uh, my my master's uh, supervisor and boss then, and the, the same PI I was working in in this project mm. uh, in Western Kenya, was also my PhD, one, one of my PhD mm. advisors. Mm-hmm. And I also got another PhD advisor mm. and, of course, other advisors at the university. So I had a team of four. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then 2017, I got started and I was working on. Um, so initially, so the topic kind of morphed in the beginning. I was supposed to develop a tool for surveillance of uh, male mosquitoes. Mm hmm. But you know sometimes how you can have a topic and then when you get to doing the work, you realize the work is taking a different direction. Mm. So in the end, my thesis was on uh, biological traits, mm. uh, plant feeding patterns, and the uh, chemical ecology of uh, Aedes aegypti. Aedes aegypti is mm-hmm. Aedes aegypti. Aedes aegypti is a yellow fever mosquito. Uh-huh. Or the dengue mosquito. So it's a uh. mosquito that transmits viruses, uh, uh. dengue yellow fever, chikungunya, zika in some places. And uh, its uh, uh, sister is another one called Aedes albopictus that is very common in uh, Asia. Mm-hmm. And it's the one that more recently was in the news with the zika outbreaks that were in Asia and then Latin America. Mm-hmm. So I was working with that species of mosquitoes and I was trying to understand biological traits and how those traits shape the ability of this mosquito to be able to transmit disease. Mm. Also, that uh, one thing that has been often overlooked is that mosquitoes feed on plants. So I also wanted to understand the plant feeding patterns mm. of that particular uh, species. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted to understand the chemical ecology. So I was also looking at the plants that they like to, uh, to go to for sugar mm. and understanding the chemical cues that... Um, influence that interaction and seeing whether we can use those chemical cues to develop um, 
order baited traps or rather traps that are baited with attractants that are based mm. on orders from those plants yeah so that was the yeah that was my phd thesis amazing and and what happened with uh, so like, so, uh-huh. so yeah the four years flew they uh, uh they flew a uh, lot of lab work mm. there um, of course there were highlights to that mm-hmm uh, one of those highlights was that, uh, of course, the, the major highlights were that I was able to publish two chapters out mm-hmm. of three of my mm-hmm. PhD thesis. Mm-hmm. So I have two papers of my PhD. Mm-hmm. In the course of that, we were able to, um, but towards the end, towards the tail end of the PhD, we started working on a on a, a book chapter with my mm-hmm. supervisors. Mm-hmm. That has since been accepted by a publisher. It's still out there. Wow. Sooner or later, it's going to be published. It's going to be a chapter in a book. Uh-huh. on uh, attractants of mosquitoes, uh-huh. particularly those that uh, are derived from human and animal hosts. Uh-huh. Um, even human? I, yeah, even human, uh, because mosquitoes are not only attracted to well, plants, like I said, but also to humans. I mean, they find you based on, you know, they use your your body order to find you. The carbon dioxide that you produce, some of the you know chemicals that are on your skin, yeah. By so, the way, just just mm-hmm. let me just insert a question here. So, do you think uh, is it, is it scientific that mosquitoes have a preference to certain people? Yes, they do. What? So they those people have those chemicals in their body. No, it's not that those people have those chemicals, and then they want the people that the mosquitoes don't like don't have those chemicals. Mm. It's that we produce them in different amounts oh and the compositions vary depending on what's going on in your body and do is there any external factors that uh, can contribute to this or is it something to do with our yeah, genetic like, makeup well there's genetic makeup uh, but also there's factors like if you live in a really warm place and you're sweating mm. of course your order is going to be very pronounced mm. and uh, the mosquitoes are going to have a field day with you if you've come from a jog and you've broken into a sweat mm. and you you know, sweat compounds are very attractive to mosquitoes. Again, mm. that's mm. going to influence, um, you know, uh, their attraction to mm. you and stuff mm. like that. Mm. So, so yeah. So, um, without so the know, solution when, is to bath. <laughs> if you actually you could you could take a bath to reduce your attractiveness. Ah, okay. But of course, there are, there are things that you can't shower away. I mean, yeah. there's that natural order yeah. and the magnitude in which you you produce some of these compounds or rather some of these chemicals, depending on where you are, like mm. what's going on in your body. I mean, you have very little control over that. Although, I mean, there's research that shows that, um, for example, if you eat certain kind of foods, you know, they, for example, if you eat garlic, they don't, mm. they won't like you a lot. But if, for example, you drink a beer, mm. they, they find you a lot more attractive. Mm. I mean, there, there are all sorts of um, things that shape their interactions with, with humans as well as animals. Mm. So we did we did uh, put together a book chapter mm-hmm. on that, and that was one of those really high moments for my PhD. Mm. Also, part of the process included it was a very short stint of time, and I lots I mean I had like lots of actual work. Mm-hmm. So in between that work, you know, it was uh, what is it called? Like these are the the highs that happened in between, mm. you know, in between the process. I also had a chance, you know, to present my findings at uh, an international conference in the U.S. Mm-hmm. To actually give uh, a talk in a symposia. 
um, I was able to go showcase my work at the Grand Challenges, you know, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation? Mm. Yes, I was nominated by my center to wow. and, uh, present my work at the Grand Challenges annual meeting in 2019 and uh, what was then called, uh, let me toot my horn here, it was called Rising Star Scientists. So mm-hmm. I was nominated for that. Wow. Um, yeah, those are some of the really awesome things that 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 what that happened in that four year span. what what made made your institution to nominate you you because i'm um, imagining the other phd students yeah the other phd students and of course i wasn't nominated by myself i was there with my colleague and uh, who was also doing very well and she's doing very well for herself her name is gladys let me just mention her, her name is gladys Mosomotai. she's a gis expert hmm. Um, she's now winding up on her thesis. Gladiso, Mosomotai. Mosomotai. Yeah, and she's she's actually a L'Oreal Fellow, a UNESCO mm. L'Oreal Fellow. I think she was a fellow in twenty twenty eighteen. Was it twenty nineteen? And then she's now the next instant forum ambassador for Kenya. Wow. Uh, yes. Yeah, so we, we the another woman. Nominated. Yes, another woman, and I I. <laughs> um, this is very intentional mm. for me to mention her name for somebody who's listening mm. to know that there are lots of women who are really making headway in science, mm. you know, in STEM and, and doing really great things. Mm. So we were nominated together. And perhaps maybe the reason why we were nominated one, maybe is because we are women too, also because I think we were in our individual spheres. Um, we were, you know, we were doing well. Mm. And of course, uh, of course, they, I guess the ability to be able to, you know, represent your institution adequately in forums like those. Mm. Uh, I think there's a little bit of that as well. Um, but yeah, so that was one of the highs, uh, including, of course, publishing all of this work mm. and, um, you know, being able to now present in those conferences and also in seminars internally and all mm-hmm. of that. Yeah, so that was what my PhD looked like in a nutshell. It was four years that went. They were both fast and slow. They went fast, but they were also slow. They were slow on the days when, you know, lab work was not going the way you wanted to go. Mm. But they were fast, you know, when you're making wins and when you're trying to make progress to uh, to get to the finishing line. Oh, man. 2021. Yes. Of course, um, so when COVID happened, twenty twenty, maybe to take you back a little bit. Okay. Um, I was in the, I was in the tail end of my PhD, and I was supposed to do some work, and now it was field based, and so COVID happened, and we had these uh, regulations on movement and stuff like that, mm. and you know you couldn't cross from one county to another, mm. so I had to re rework my entire, you know. Uh, plan the PhD for that part for that particular mm. part and so mm. there are, there's tons of field work that I was not able to do mm. and uh, there was also of course the academic timeline with the university and so you know I had to wind up on a few things mm. um, but yeah all went well and so 2020 I spent it writing my thesis mm. partly I, I did have some lab work partly and yeah I wrote my thesis and then 2021 um yeah, 2021 July, I believe, mm. I submitted my thesis. And it's interesting that sh- because of 
how COVID changed everything because now we were working remotely, working from home. Um, I did get a chance to start now looking for the next opportunity. Mm. So I was, I mean, right. Which is now, by now, <laughs> by now, you do know that I write unsolicited emails a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> to anybody who I believe could help me. Yeah. So, of course, I was writing unsolicited emails to people and trying to see if I can find postdoc opportunities and making applications mm. uh, to places. And uh, so by the time I was winding up on my thesis and doing the final submission, I had already um, had an interview with the Welcome Trust. Mm-hmm. And coincidentally, once I you know, I submitted this thing, then I got a call and they said, we are considering to bring you on board. But of course, first you have to you know, get your PhD. your PhD. Good enough for our university, the procedures were different. So once, by the time you're doing that final submission, it's your thesis has come back from the examiners, you've addressed the comments, they've looked at them, faculty is happy. You know, that July is when I was doing the final submission. From sub- thesis submission, to mm-hmm. the final end, how long did that take? For this is University of Pretoria. Now listen. Uh-huh. <laughs> Remember how we did almost a year and a half. Yeah, KU. <laughs> now it took exactly eight weeks. Wow. Yes. From the day I my thesis was received by the examiners to the day I got the comments, it was about was it eight? No, it was it eight weeks? Wait a minute. Am I forgetting? Yeah, I think it was eight weeks. Wow. Eight weeks is two months, right? Yeah, it's two months. Two months, two and a half, I think. They're about. And I had my uh, examiners revert with their mm. comments. I think it was mm. eight weeks. Mm. Two weeks. How is it that I could forget such an important detail? It's okay. I believe it's eight weeks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. But whatever but yeah. time it took, it's way shorter. It was it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't three months. Yeah. It wasn't more it wasn't more than three months, no. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the moment you get your feedback from your examiners, you have uh, I think two weeks or fifteen days or something. I had fifteen days to address those comments. Mm. And there was a timeline to it and mm. then submit my responses and then it goes to faculty and faculty looks at it and if they're happy with how you've done everything how you've addressed it how you uh, made the changes in the thesis mm. then you you get a go ahead at least you get a provisional letter mm. you get a letter of completion saying you've met the requirements set by the university okay yeah for you to now you wait for the process which is graduation and all of that stuff so yeah in july i wrapped that up and then same time mm-hmm. i had interviewed for this position and then i got an offer mm-hmm. but of course we had to ensure that i get my phd mm-hmm. so then in september september 15 2021 i got my yeah my certificate as Dr. Wanjiko. Yes, then I transitioned to this postdoctoral position that I'm currently working in. Okay. How how has it been so far? Oh, wow. It's been incredible. Um, mm. At first, I was a bit uh, nervous, given that, you know, I'd been at my former research institute for 
10 years by the time I was getting my doctorate. Yeah. Um, and so having been in the same place, of course I had moved, I'd been to Western Kenya, mm. you know, I've been to a lot of places, but I was still within the same institution. Uh, institution. Mm. So it was a bit, I mean, I was a bit jittery. I was like, am I going to adjust? How is it going to be? Mm. I mean, the, most of my colleagues had become like family. Mm. Um, so there was that attachment. Um, I, I mean, my, I was living behind my mentors, my mm. my supervisors. It was emotional. It was it, that transition was emotional. I, mm. I always remember packing, packing my desk and packing my things in a box and leaving the center and thinking <laughs> I have packed ten years of my life into this box mm. and I'm now transitioning to somewhere else. But then I keep, I, I got here and it's been great and I have an excellent. Uh, I work in an excellent research group. Mm. My boss is an incredible person. Mm. Um, she is. She the best. yes she. yes now <laughs> now yes mm. now I get to work with the you know uh, with the lady mm. which is nice I did work with a lady when I was working in Western Kenya but she and um, her partner and my then boss formed the team but now I directly report to a lady it's mm. incredible it's 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 a whole different experience mm. she's a fantastic mentor so far so now we are working please mention on, her name if you can uh, her name is uh dr mata maria okay um she's portuguese mm. um and we are working on uh, a project it's called bohemia mm-hmm. so it's called the broad one health endectocide based malaria initiative in africa mm-hmm. and we are trying or rather we're evaluating the potential of uh, a deworming drug called ivermectin mm-hmm. Uh, so we are evaluating its potential for reduction of malaria transmission because, oh. uh, yeah, in lab studies and uh, a few field studies, it's been shown that uh, when a human being or even an animal, because ivermectin is also used as a dewormer in animals for mm. veterinary routine, veterinary uh, health practice. Mm. So when it's ingested by either an animal or a human, mm. when a mosquito... Uh, ingests the blood of that treated animal or human mm. then mosquitoes die it has some mosquitocidal properties ah yes amazing i'm learning a lot man yes, <laughs> so, so i should be taking the so <laughs> i should be taking are, the warmers to kill <laughs> mosquitoes we are now trying to evaluate uh, the potential of this drug when it's uh, given in in mass, like to a community, in mass, mm. what we call mass drug administration. Mm. And so what we are working on is a clinical trial. Um. Yes. So a little different from the kind of setup yeah, I've that seen you in the past. Yeah. Um, Finally, humans. Now, I'm like close, close, close. And, yes, and human subject research. Yeah. Um, ooh, it's been uh, such an interesting 10 months because I've been on the role for 10 months. Mm. Um, I've learned so much. It's a fantastic team. Um, there's so much to do. Clinical trials are very interesting. Mm. <laughs> um, it's been so good. So far, so good. I think this is what I could say. How, how is the transition, though? Like, like what, what's so different? Because apart from this being a different institution altogether, there's the, they're in the same country, yes? But yes. Mm-hmm. there is the different counties different working environments like 
How would you compare? Um, of course, it's different. It's the coast. First, yeah. it's hot. Mm. It's hot. I mean, Kilim is not even as hot as Mombasa, but still, it's hot. It's the mm. coast, mm. right? It, yeah. That that was a bit of um of an adjustment for me to make, and then I came right in the heart of the summer because I came in August. Did you go with blankets? I, I moved. I moved everything that I have. But then I quickly stuck them away. And sweaters and jackets and, and yeah. boots, knee-high boots. Yeah. Because <laughs> I really loved boots. Mm. And I've always been the kind of person who who will grab any opportunity when even temperatures drop by a degree to wear boots. Now you're you know. using sandals or what? No, I mean, I still have to wear clothes shoes because I work in a lab. Yeah. But, I mean, I can't wear my boots, like my my, my, my knee-length knee yeah. boots anymore. I mean, this is one of those things I was talking about the other day to a friend. And I said, oh my gosh, my boots are just here looking at me. They are crying for attention. <laughs> but it is so hot. Even now that it's raining, I still can't wear them because it's extremely uh, warm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well. I've never heard someone talk about their boots like that, though. Like, I know because I like them and uh, I had lots of them. Hmm. And now they just sit there and look at me sadly. Like, what are you going okay. to do about them, though? I will give them away. In fact, <laughs> I have. Um, I've already started the process of just letting go of some of these things. Um, yeah, because I. But can't it must them. be a hard process. It is, but you have to let go. Yeah. Um. You you can't you can't hold on to things that you don't use. You, you don't use. Otherwise, then they fall apart, and then it's yeah, useless. it becomes useless. Yeah, it's useless. So you better give them away where they still can serve some form of purpose yes. to someone. She'll probably send you a pair. What's your shoe size? <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the reason why I asked you. What are you going to do about them? <laughs> What is your shoe size? Are you looking to adopt old haggard <laughs> boots that have seen the test of time? I am number six. Oh, you're a 39? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm also a 39. Oh, okay. Right. Let me see. I've clapped three Let times, I think. Let me see. I hope they're still not falling apart. Oh, I'm so happy. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the transition then is like you're asking, I mean, getting used to the heat. Mm-hmm. I think I'm slowly adjusting. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's just something that you make do. I mean, you have a fan. Everybody's under the same heat, so it's not unique to me. It's, yeah. not, it's not a challenge. You just yeah. kind of get used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a quiet It's a quiet town where I live in, which mm-hmm. is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I've lived in a more quiet location before. So, perfectly at home. Yeah. This is, um, uh, you're talking about Ozero. No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying like when I was working in Bitter Point. Oh, it's so it it's like also quiet. Out there in the Bundus. Oh. So it's just a quiet, laid back. Hmm. What about the culture? Per se. Hmm. The culture? The culture is perfectly fine. The people are warm hmm. um, and friendly. And you really don't feel like you're out of place. You, you fit right in. What about the language? Swahili, I... My no, Swahili, the kind of Swahili. Swahili. Is that just, is that Swahili where you mutilate everything? Mm. But, I mean, I can speak Swahili when I yeah. have to I can use all my proper Swahili from high school. I, sum, I have summoned all that Swahili from the database. These days I'm trying to use it a little bit. <laughs> Do you, um, 
Do you still yeah. go to the shop and ask for Ndengu? And now they're like, what's wrong pojo. with you? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, now I know how to ask for Pojo. Yeah, and how to say Maharage instead of yeah, Maharage. <laughs> Which is nice. It's a, it's an interesting experience. So that's as far as I've come. That's that's my journey in a nutshell. Okay. Thanks for sharing this journey. Ten yeah. hours later. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for sharing this journey. Um I'm just wondering because you you I'm glad that you mentioned the highs and lows where you're talking about it. Uh, so it makes more like I don't know. It, it, you get it more when when you're saying it, when you're telling your story. But I'm wondering, are there any laws that mm-hmm. you've experienced throughout your journey that might be um, directly related to your career, or not, or indirectly that influenced your career in one way or another? Mm-hmm personal laws eh? that you've not mentioned and you'd like uh, to share I think I have had I mean let me think so when I think about this I think about my social life right mm. uh, I think I have I have had a really vibrant social life mm-hmm. uh, the, 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 I think the unique thing about it though is that being 60% introverted and 40% <laughs> extroverted. I tend mm. to have a very small circle of friends. Mm. So I've kept the same circle of friends uh, mm. over the years. Mm-hmm. And these are the same people who've seen me move from one place to another. They've seen me uh, transition into a nomadic scientist who mm-hmm. just moves from one place to the next. Mm-hmm. Uh, these guys have been, these girls were also very instrumental in my in my journey. They were a huge pillar of support. So mm. socially, I didn't feel like I had any lows. You know how sometimes they say when you transition into some of these things, you find you're losing you're losing out on your social interactions mm. and stuff like that. No, I was able to, and I was blessed enough that. to be able to have that circle, mm. keep that circle. And Are they a, uh, not at all, actually. Mm. The, my inner circle, no. Not at all. How is it that? Um, how is it like explaining your kind of career path to, and them getting it? Like I don't know. I usually feel like people don't sometimes. They don't get it. Yeah. How was it? Um. Maybe because I'm a storyteller. Maybe. Uh, um, and a good I'm, one I'm for that. To, to captivate <laughs> people with my strange stories about the lab and. Yeah. Oops. These are these have been friendships built over years, eh? mm. so the connection is much deeper. It's based on a shared life experience that is a lot richer than just you know how careers metamorphose, metamorph, metamorph. This word is gone. How careers just morph mm. uh, over the years. So there's a little bit of that. So the glue that you know. Uh, holds them together is more than just what we are doing in our mm. individual lives. I mean, that's part of the process because we are all evolving, but it's it, the, the, it's friendships built on something more than that. Mm. Mm, because all of us have morphed in our individual ways. So mm. socially, I, I don't know, I've had pretty much the same friends. Mm. I've made 
others, of course, in the science space. Mm. And I've also been blessed enough to make meaningful connections in that mm-hmm. regard. I have two friends, two, three friends that I hold <laughs> dearly. I have a friend who is now is in the U.S. She's pursuing her PhD. Mm-hmm. Her name is Juliet, and uh, she's a chemist and a brilliant chemist at that. Mm-hmm. And there is another woman. <laughs> now, <laughs> mention of another woman. Yeah, I I mentioned Gladys. Yeah, and uh, there is Ruth. Ruth Ruth Kiheka. Um, Ruth Kiheka is also a chemist, mm-hmm. and she's also on the tail end of her PhD. In fact, Ruth and I and Gladys had what we used to call uh, a leaning circle. Mm-hmm. We still do. Mm-hmm. So, of course, inspired by. I don't know whether you've read the book by Sheryl Sandberg, Lenin. No. You should. Sadly. <laughs> it's about women work and the will to lead. It's, okay. it's women work and leadership. Mm. Um, and so we used to have a, a circle mm-hmm. for the three of us just to encourage each other in the journey. Mm. And I happened to be the one who finished her PhD first. And then now um, Gladys is winding up her PhD. She's transitioned into a postdoc. Mm. And, and Ruth is also on the tail end. She's, I believe, soon going to also transition into a postdoc. Mm. So there's that also professional inner circle mm. that helps to keep things um, balanced. Mm. And, 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 and you really, when you need that shoulder, you can get it. There's also another friend of mine. Her name is Teresa Milugo. Teresa, Dr. Teresa Milugo. She's just completed a PhD as well. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a biochemist. Mm-hmm. Um, she is also part of the people that we walked together in the journey and in the path and who, you know, we offered shoulders to lean on and ears to listen. And mm. I mean, these are the same people you, you go out to have a, cof- a cup of coffee with to celebrate the small wins in the lab, the big mm. wins and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So wow. I think having I love that, that. Mm. I love that. I love that. Like, you know, women... Women supporting women. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's 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 instrumental. It let me tell you, it makes a big difference. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I think socially mm. I have had like a strong social fabric around me. And of course my family, you know. Mm. That has been like the Yeah. That's the sounding board, that's the place to land, it's a soft landing, it's everything. Uh, my mom, my sister, mm-hmm. um, she's also a, a budding scientist. Mm-hmm. She's actually pursuing a master's in, uh, uh, what is it called? Tropical medicine. Tropical animal biology. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. What, what do you want to say name? Oh, um, <laughs> I was still trying to think tropical animal biology. Or, oh, yeah, it's tropical oh. animal biology. Mm. Uh, her name is Ivy Nyambura. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and these are the, the people that have been the circle around me professionally, mm. socially, at the family level. And you've the, not mentioned, I don't know if it's invasive though, you can say no, but you know, mm, yes, I'm not done yet. Sorry, 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 <laughs> sorry. Let me preempt. Let yes, me preempt. Yes, uh, yes. Let me preempt because I was leaving that for last. Okay. Um, and also my partner because I have mm-hmm. a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, this now all together. 
uh, this forms the people around me. My partner's name is Leo Smadaka. Uh, he's a brilliant guy. Mm. He's uh, possibly <laughs> one of the very few people who really, you know, like wraps his head. Who's a non-science person, but wraps his head around the kind of science that I do. And I, I, I he's my sounding board. I, I bounce ideas off him. Mm. And yeah, he's the non. He's actually he's the non, he's the only non-science person other than my close circle of girlfriends. Mm. Him and those people are the, like the non-scientists around me. <laughs> who, who get to you know listen and understand? Who what really? Yes, and they yeah. ask questions and they're yeah. like, ah, yeah, I see what that is. Okay, how is that helpful to humanity? <laughs> they ask me yeah. questions. <laughs> yeah, but the, do you think that that those conversations that you have like? help you in communicating science in the simplest of manners to a non-science audience? Do you think that helps? I think so. I think yeah. it helps a lot. I mean, because you can't take your jargon there. Yeah. I mean, these guys would be like, okay, speak English. Speak yeah. English. Yeah. Because we don't know what you're saying. And so yeah. you always have to calculate what you're trying to say and look mm. for the best words to use. And I think it helps. Um, it helps to be able to... Because I find science communication can be tricky. A lot of scientists just because they their minds are just uh, programmed for jargon. I mean, for science, it's not jargon actually; it's technical, mm. it's technical language. So yeah. they express these things using the technical language, which a lot of people don't understand. So it's important to strive to break down that technical language into something that people can understand. Actually, mm. if we all did that as scientists, people mm. would be able to identify with science a lot more. You know, the, the the reason why, I, I, I don't know, when, when I get an opportunity, I, I get to ask, you know, about um, those friendships, relationships, and family, how they contribute to someone's career and all that, and especially the partner part, is because um, as much as we talk about women and striving and all that, um, there's the relationship part and if it's not an enabling environment like i found like most women who are in relationships that are enabling really do well it's not like at if you don't you're not in a relationship uh at all that you can't do well or if you're not in a relationship that is enabling you can't do well but it's 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 like i don't know i don't have data for that but i've seen a lot of relation with that like you can see a correlation between uh an enabling environment in that sense and uh growth of a woman's career mm. i'd say this um that's the thing and i don't think it's just in science alone i think it's in life in general yeah, yeah. a woman is not in a relationship that's enabling or mm. she's not thriving in that relationship mm. then it 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 takes it takes a you know, at all on other areas of her life. So mm. this is really like central to to women in general, mm. right? And to mm. men as well. Mm -hmm. Because I think also men need to be in relationships that are also enabling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, both genders can't thrive if the environments they are in disempower them, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think more for women because uh, of our socialization. Mm. And because of what society, quote unquote, expects women to become, mm. and women, for example, in the 
I don't know whether it's just in the sciences, but I mean, I have been a subject of these sort of conversations where, mm. where you 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 I mean, you're lectured on, oh, you need to find a partner, mm. or um, you need to find a partner before you take your doctorate because after you take your doctorate, you can find your partner. Mm. I mean, there are all sorts of conversations around this. Rolling eyes. Mm. Um, and it can really be daunting for a young woman. Mm. who's trying to navigate that landscape mm. and trying to grow and thrive and also, you know, uh, have their social life up and running. Sometimes these things don't always go hand in hand. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you're winning in one area of your life, you're not winning in another area in your life and, and vice versa. Mm. But I think... Ultimately, women, women in science and women in general, and career women, I'd mm. say, mm-hmm. career women need to really, if if you're looking to become a career woman, because not every woman wants to become a career woman, and mm. that's the other thing, and that's a thing that, that's a truth that people don't want to recognize. Mm. Women are being forced to say, oh, I want to be lady boss. Not every woman wants to be lady boss. There's a woman who wants to just build her thing, her tough is in the, is in the, is in the home is in the home tough, right? That's that's yeah. her, that's her space. Yeah. I mean, she wants to home make, she wants mm-hmm. to raise children. She yes. wants that's and that's perfectly fine. Uh, that's is, okay. Yeah, that's okay. There is no shame at all in that. And if you so you can choose whatever you want to choose over whatever you want to choose, however you want to do the permutation of yeah. things of life. <laughs> it's yeah. completely up to you. Yes. But I feel like for career women, especially if you're looking to build a career, you have to take into account what career building, the impact of what you have to do to build that career on your on other aspects of your life. Mm-hmm. You have to try as much as you can. You'll never get it right. There's no formula. There's no manual. Mm-hmm. You have to, but try as much as you can to harmonize those areas. Mm-hmm. But how you harmonize that is by being authentic. Mm-hmm. Because if you're authentic, if you're who you are and you really are who you are and you're mm. not trying to be like the next person, yeah, the things that are for you naturally gravitate towards you. Yeah. And whenever you get, for example, in the relationship space, if you get into a situation that doesn't align to who you are, mm. then even in the career, in your, you know, in the career growth in that part of your life, you'll find that you stagnate in some ways. Mm. So you have to find a partner who fits your your profile. Mm-hmm. And by that I mean they 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 fit to the authentic person that you are. Not, you know, Not trying to look like the yeah. rest of the world, but but who you really are. are yes. And who you really are is values, is based what's your value system. Mm. And so for example, building a career, I mean you 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 find building a career valuable. That's a value. Mm-hmm. You have to align yourself to someone who shares that. the same sort of values. Yeah. Like you do. You you value education. You have to find somebody who values education. Mm. Right? Yeah. I, I think this is like like the basic stuff that you need to do. Of course, relationships are complex and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Things happen to all of us in equal measure. Mm. But at that really basic level, be authentic because you'll attract what needs to be with you. 
And mm. if you do happen to be in a situation where it's not aligning to really who you are, mm. then you need to really think. If the value systems are not aligning, it won't, it won't, it won't mm. align. And it will eat into other areas of your life. It will eat into your career. In fact, it's interesting that you talk about this. I remember many years back when I was doing my master's, I had a friend mm. who at that time was looking to start her master's as well. And she was in a relationship and this person she was in a relationship with was like, you're not going to do a master's, I want you to do a postgraduate diploma. Why? Oh, because that's, that's what he was doing. And he's like, there's oh. no way you're going to have a master's and have a postgraduate diploma. Now you have to choose. It's between oh the engagement. Oh my God. Or... What's wrong with people? Oh. But I'm just saying that there are women who, even behind closed doors, deal with those sorts of challenges. And what did she do? Sorry, I'm still following the story. <laughs> it it was, I mean, it was a hard decision. And you can imagine someone telling you, choose our relationship. It's either our relationship or your progression. Yeah. This this person she was with had no wisdom to understand that their relationship and the progression are tied together. Yes. And the success of that relationship in some ways is tied to her success mm. in other spheres of her life. Yeah. But she had to make the decision and it was not easy and she she chose she chose herself. I love that. She did choose herself. It wasn't easy, but uh, I think ultimately you always have to you know, have the presence of mind that you put your best interest first. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for saying this. Thanks for sharing that part of your life with this podcast. Yeah, I think I have outdone myself. <laughs> <laughs> you have what? I have outdone myself. I I have, I think I have now gone way and above mm. uh, the time limits. And uh, okay, so um, so I'm I'm assuming there there are no any other lows and highs when it comes to your science career, right? That you've not talked about that you would like to talk about, right? No, I think that. You know, you know how some things happen then and they are heavy then and now they're not heavy later. Mm-mm. I'm that sort of person. I keep distilling my experiences Mm-mm. and I keep reshaping my perspectives and some things that were important yesterday might not be important <laughs> two years from now. But I think those are the ones that were remarkable for me. Mm. Um, rather, they were like the high, some of the, the highlights, or how do I say it? They are the ones that were that stuck to my memory a little bit. And and the ones that I, for example, when we are talking about a career journey, that I, mm. f- I feel like if somebody listened, mm. they would, they would um, inspire them in some way or show them that, you know, all is not lost. Mm. I mean, there, there are lots of laws. I mean, running a jail and in the lab and not getting your buns. Hey. I mean, you can cry in the jail hey. room. Ay, we've <laughs> cried. You can cry. We have cried. <laughs> That's them semi-quality. Yes. You get laws. In fact, you get sometimes you get ten laws. Mm. Two whole weeks, five days, mm. zero, nothing on your jails. I mean, mm. you know. <laughs> the sort of things. Yeah. You order for the agents, they take ten months to arrive. Oh. They arrive when they are expired. Ah, yeah, man. You know. Um there are those sort of things that you experience in the day to day. But in the grand scheme of things, um, mm. yeah, it's just challenges for everyday work. Okay. Like, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. um, so 
let's talk about the, the non-science part of you, uh, the hobbies, the things that you do that have nothing to do with science or the things that you do that, have, that you're not paid to do. Like, how do you spend, how do you rest? How do you spend your non-work days? That's a very good question. That's mm. it, that, that's that's interesting to ask somebody who's just gotten out of a PhD program. How do they rest? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's 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 something that I'm also <laughs> uh, looking to mm. to re reacquaint myself with. Mm. <laughs> you know, um, like I said, I I, I really do like to read. Mm. And so if yeah. If I mean, not, this. in this case, I mean, like, non-science stuff. I'm not, yeah. like, reading up an article, but mm. I'm reading, like, other things. Like, mm. I, I, I like that. I listen to podcasts. I read. I'm interested in things to do with human behavior, psychology, and stuff like that. Mm. So I do spend a substantial amount of my time just learning stuff outside, outside my sphere and stuff mm. to do with self-development and understanding self because I'm intrigued by, you know, those sort of topics and psychology and, mm. you know, and the things around us. Um, I also do enjoy, mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes I share a little thing. I, I enjoy doing the things that children do, which includes coloring. Uh-huh. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> because it feels very strange to do this. It was not, in fact, I hadn't, this, that part of me had gone to sleep. It wasn't until last year. Uh. It's last year, last year, but one. Last year, but one, when on my birthday, one of my best friends mm. sent me uh, a present and she mm. bought me an adult coloring book and color pencils. Wow. And for a long time, I hadn't done anything artsy. Mm. I, I used to, in the past, I used to like to make, even as a child growing up, I loved art and craft. Mm. I'd make cards, greeting cards, bookmarks, I'd paint things, I'd color things, I'd, mm. I always like to do stuff like with my hands. But when my friend sent me, she sent me this birthday present when I was like in the in the thick of things with mm. my thesis and I was stressed and the transition was there was a lot going on in mm. my life at that stage. And she sent me this present to calm me down and she sent me an adult coloring book. Mm. Um and color pencils, and she woke up something that had been dormant like for four years or five years. I hadn't done anything artsy. So, oh, so she knew you used to color before. Yeah, we talk about it, but oh. I, I guess in passing, but it, it wasn't something that I had actively been doing. Mm. But then when she sent me, it was a very thoughtful gift. Yeah. So she sent me this gift. So, wow. like that artsy Bit of me kind of just woke up. Mm. It woke. It, it had been sleeping for a while. Mm. I mean, I hadn't touched anything with my hands. I used to when I was living on the in Western Kenya, I'd color things, paint things, do things. But then when I came back for my PhD, I, I think it was just overwhelming. And sometimes you even forget you have hobbies. Mm. So yeah, so that was a nice hobby that I woke up again. Mm. And it's interesting that the same year I also got a gift from my sister, and she sent me. Um, what do you call these books? Dot to dot. You know why you make images by following dots? Mm-hmm. Um, these are the kind of things that I enjoy doing. I also enjoy uh, doing jigsaw puzzles. Mm-hmm. So, like buy puzzles and I, I enjoy like just putting together a puzzle. Mm. And, I mean, lay it out on the table and 
have it on the table for like three months until it's gathering dust piece by piece. Mm. <laughs> wow. Uh, they are very weird, very introverted sort of hobbies. They are very good hobbies. Okay, maybe you're talking to the wrong person. I don't know. Perhaps. <laughs> because, I mean, because I tell people, I color. I'm a grown-up, but I do adult coloring books. Mm. Like, I go to look at color pencils and mm. things. Mm. And I like jigsaw puzzles. Mm. And um, I like jazz music. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the past, I used to try as much as I can to go to concerts and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't think I, I no longer work on my hobbies in terms of sports and things like this. Mm-hmm. Exercise from time to time, but mm. no active sports. I think that has slowly faded, faded out of my life. Um, yeah. which, which sports were you playing? I, I played sports a long time ago. I played sports in high school. I played basketball, but after that, oh, I yeah. just yeah, yeah, you had mentioned. went out. And, mm. and I tried to take up tennis. Mm. Um, I fell off the horse. The demands of the research project for my PhD was just extra. I might just uh, wake up to that again. Mm. Um, yeah, but I have now those internal hobbies of doing things like coloring and doing jigsaw puzzles quietly mm. to to unwind and reading and things like that. Do you want to recommend a book or uh, a podcast or two? Ah, know. oh my gosh. Um, I had, for a little while, I was listening to Esther Perel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Esther Perel is a psychologist and she has a podcast that was called How is Work? Mm. I found that podcast very intriguing and very interesting. Mm-hmm. It's one that I could uh, recommend. Mm-hmm. I also f- do follow a lot of YouTube channels. Mm-hmm. One of the YouTube channels I enjoy a lot is um, Lewis. How do I say his name? Lewis Ho- House. 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 I don't know. Maybe I've massacred that name. H O W E S. He has a YouTube channel called The School of Greatness. Mm-hmm. Um, those are some of my favorites, and then I just binge on other things here and there. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I those are some of the things that I enjoy listening okay. to. And he brings on a lot of different people on his show talking about very important stuff mm. around all sorts of topics: relationship, money, health, mm. parenting, uh, mm. psychology, mm. everything. And and it's often very mind, like mind blowing stuff that comes on there. Yeah, do I have a book that I would recommend? <laughs> Maybe I should mention what I'm reading currently or what yeah. I'm listening to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm listening to my current audiobook is uh <laughs> some courses on plague. <laughs> huh? It sounds very weird when I say it. <laughs> Out loud. <laughs> so uh-huh. I've been listening to an audiobook, so it's a compilation. It's like a lecture series. It's called The Great Courses. Uh-huh. So there are many different ones, and um, a lot about uh, medieval uh, history. Uh-huh. But now I'm listening to one on the plague, the Black Death, which uh-huh. um, the disease that killed people in the 16th, 14th, and 19th century in uh-huh. massive numbers. It's uh-huh. about so the idea is, uh, you know, how 
uh, an epidemic a pandemic begins uh, the idea of contagions and you know the the mechanisms of that is very interesting it's being um, it's narrated by um, what's her name Dozy Armstrong she's a mm-hmm. professor in i think english and literature that's my current audiobook i am also i'm the sort of person who reads multiple books <laughs> i'm not very faithful i don't what? read one book and finish um, i usually have like books small <laughs> pages shelf. so um, for example i have atomic habits james mm-hmm. clear i'm sure you you heard of it heard about it people are talking about it now mm. yeah, that was one of is one of the books on my on my reading list that i really need to finish mm-hmm. i also have a book by malcolm gladwell it's called talking to strangers mm-hmm. so so my reading list i have another one called range so so mm. my reading list mm. <laughs> i have I have tons and tons of books on my reading list. Mm. And sometimes I just get carried away by everyday things and work and things like that. And I'm not always very <laughs> effective when it comes to finish them, finishing them in time, but I do finish in the end. Okay. I would love to for you to send me, you know, those and I'll attach it um, onto the show notes of this podcast. Okay. okay. For anyone who's interested, yeah, to... I'll make a note for that so that I don't forget. Okay. Well, that would be really lovely. Um, so uh, I've, I've loved this conversation. Um, I'm just wondering what, what, um, what thing is, what, what, what is one thing that you hoped that I would ask and I didn't ask? Uh, wow. Did I have any expectations of what you'd ask? No, no. Mm. None. I think I I feel like I've even just like given too much information. For the rest. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel after having this conversation? Given that it's going to go in record, yeah, and and maybe one day my children will listen to this. Um, I don't know about that, but I'm just saying that it goes into record. It feels like it's being a private person and somebody who likes to keep to themselves. Mm. I, you know, in some ways, I was I was worried that I'd be giving too much away. Mm. But also, I realized now talking about my journey now, mm. vocalizing it, I just realized what sort of journey that I have been on, mm. and you know, everything that it was all about. And I was like, it's a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't even see it like that. Because mm. for me, it was, you know, a day at a time. It feels like I've been around for five decades and I haven't. Mm. <laughs> you know, I just got started. So it's interesting to see how now all the dots come together. Mm. So that's how you feel after having this conversation? I don't know. I just feel like I think my story will tell somebody else. Don't give up. Mm-hmm. Stay on the course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 